Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Kick off a show, that's the way you kick it off. Sammy Hagar in the Circle, that's their latest crazy times from the forthcoming album that'll be coming out on uh, CD and digital. I think it's the end of September, and then I think on, uh, on vinyl in October. Catch it. Good stuff. If you haven't seen the boys... On tour yet, you should absolutely make it a plan to see them. I know they are doing a few dates this month. They are doing a few dates in September, and they're taking some time off. Of course, the uh, the big birthday bash down in Cabo coming up in October for uh, Sammy Hagar's, uh, what is it, 75th birthday. God, God bless him that he is still rocking and rolling all across this great nation of ours. It's another Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. We have a really good show for you tonight. You know why? Because it's all me the entire hour. There's no guests. There is a ton of news to get to um, and a bunch of different things that I do want to get to. But I I just want to put this out there because I did this last week um, before last week's show, and I didn't get a chance to mention it in the show last week, but I'm going to mention it here. I've challenged Governor Murphy of New Jersey to meet up with me for a beer at at any New Jersey craft brewery of his choosing to talk about New Jersey craft beer. If you've been following along for the last month or so, you know that uh, New Jersey brewers are being unfairly targeted by the New Jersey Alcohol Beverage Control, um, instituting these rules that have been in effect since 2019, were suspended, still in effect, not enforced. It's a whole bunch of gobbledygook. But the bottom line is New Jersey craft brewers are being unfairly targeted, and the restaurants are given a competitive advantage. Plain and simple. Some restaurants, not all, because there are restaurants that work with the breweries. But there are a lot. There are a bunch, mostly big box chains, but others that don't. And it's not cool. So I've challenged the governor to meet me at a at a brewery of his choosing. We will um, have a beer, and we can support a local business, and we can discuss why. He has done. He hasn't done anything at this point, as of this recording, which I'm recording on a Tuesday, the second of August. Um, by the way, the portions of the show are pre-recorded. The whole show is pre-recorded. So anybody thinks that this is live, that it's not. Anyway, um, I want to uh, sit and have a discussion with the governor as to why he has the ability right now to stop this, to put a stop to it. Let the legislature do their work when they get back into session in September. 
and take care of business here. But as of as of you know, thirty plus days, the governor has yet to take action. He's yet to make a comment on it. And I would like to meet with the governor to have an open and honest discussion while sharing a delicious New Jersey craft beer. Come on, governor, what do you say? It's not going to be hostile. I'm not going to attack you with with anything. Let's have a frank and honest discussion about the brewery industry in New Jersey that contributes over a billion dollars in revenue to the state's tax coffers. Bottom line, you want revenue? Well, here it is. Okay? Let's meet up. I'm available any time that you want. Come on by. Give me, you know, send me a tweet at Al Gatulo. Uh, I've tweeted you. I've, I've ta- tagged you on Facebook. Have your representatives get back to me. I am open any time to meet up whenever you'd like. I will cancel everything that I am doing to meet up with you anywhere in the state of New Jersey. We can go all the way down to Cape May. We can go as far north as, you know, Alpine or whatever. I I don't care. Pick a spot. I'll be there. There's the challenge. Let's get into some news and notes. We'll get into more of this about Governor Murphy a little bit later on. Pig Island NYC, back for its 13th year, returning to Snug Harbor Cultural Center and Botanical Gardens on Staten Island for the second year in a row. This sounds really cool. More than 20 chefs will come together for this pork-laden festival complete and compete for the most delicious pork dishes. There's also going to be craft beer from Killsboro, Flagship Brewing, Ramstein Beer, and others. Uh, hard cider spirits, other food offerings as well. It's all included with a general admission a t- a ticket. It's uh, Saturday, September 10th from uh, uh, 12 to 4 p.m. Uh, right at Snug Harbor. It's a beautiful place. It's a rain or shine event. Bring your picnic baskets, camp chairs, and water. Um, you should come at the start of the event because some of these places are going to run out of food at some point. Now, VIP tickets are $85 plus a fee. It includes an all-inclusive ticket, an 11 a.m. early admission to have a one-hour head start to taste the brisket, mingle with the chefs before general admission guests arrive. Plus, you get an exclusive Pig Island T-shirt. They have VIP tables, which cost $850. It includes eight all-inclusive tickets, de- designated seating, early access at 11 a.m., Chat with the pitmasters. You get the first bites from the grill and the Pig Island T-shirts. Early bird tickets, fifty-five dollars uh, plus fees. That includes uh, all-inclusive food and drink ticket at a discounted price for a noon general admission. Discounted price only available through August fourteenth. After that, it is sixty-five dollars plus tax. And again, you get in at noon. So that sounds pretty cool. Um, that might be something I might want to do because I love good barbecue and I love great beer. So. You never know. Uh, now, a bunch of closings have happened uh, at different breweries um, uh, across the country. A couple that we're going to spotlight. Ale Asylum in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, they took to social media about a week or so, or so ago to announce the brewery, which had been up for sale for nearly a year, calling it quits. The brewery, now located near the Dane County Regional Airport, had thought it had secured a buyer. That deal had fell through. Um, they uh, They said the past couple of years... Have been difficult for all businesses, but with your support, we were able to weather the storm. However, under circumstances we cannot control, we've made the decision to close our doors. I'm going to go into the assumption they probably had a lot of debt. Um, The pandemic probably didn't help because a lot of these places rely on their tasting rooms. When you don't have those open, it's difficult to uh, do business. And if you're doing a lot of businesses with bars, that's going to be tough as well. Uh, Sierra Nevada Brewing their torpedo room, they have closed. Now, this was a designer tasting room and restaurant in Berkeley, California, but Sierra Nevada, uh, on their only boutique location, has now closed its doors for good. They said, thank you, craft drinkers, um, for the amazing 4th Street memories. We've permanently closed the torpedo room as of July of 2022. It's tough for us to type those words, 
But the effect of the pandemic, from staffing shortages to wayward foot traffic, ultimately made the Torpedo Room unsustainable. Goes without saying, we'll miss the fun. Come visit one of our breweries, and we'll have a blast. So that's a shame. And apparently, um, I don't know when this place opened, but I heard good things about it. They had some good food. But again, this is a problem. They can't find people to work. Not enough foot traffic. Very hard to be sustainable. Now, Weyerbacher Brewing is in the news. Uh, the the Eastern-based brewery has filed for bankruptcy for the second time in just three years. They had been posting a bunch of different things about how their tap room was closed, against their control, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they posted on Wednesday, July 27th, their tap room will be closed until further notice. They also addressed the questions and rumors about Weyerbacher. Um, a search of federal court records shows the Weyerbacher fired a, have filed a bankruptcy case on June 27th, 2022, in Pennsylvania's uh, Easton uh, Bankruptcy Court. The brewery is still in production, even though the tap room is closed. They said they're working hard to keep beer on the shelves. The brewers are also still working on new offerings for when the tap room reopens. So this is their um, this is their announcement, Weyerbacher's announcement. It says, friends of Weyerbacher, there's been a lot of confusion coming out of our tap room lately, and we would like to provide you with some clarity and reassurance. First off, we're sending this message with optimism and enthusiasm for what the future holds. Weyerbacher's in the midst of some big changes, changes that we uh, intend will rejuvenate our brand and carry us through another 27 years and beyond. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole statement. We've posted it on our Facebook page. You can check it out. Uh, they, they apologize to anyone that's been inconvenienced. They said our tap room is officially closed until further notice. This isn't the scenario we were hoping for, but it does not deter us from our long-term goals. The good news is we're still in production and working to keep our core brands on the shelves and available to you. Our brewers are also working on some exciting new offerings from our pilot system for when the tap room reopens. Uh, we know that this statement doesn't answer all the questions you may have, but we hope that it dispels the rumors and provides some clarity. What I take that to mean is this. They had a buyer. I think the buyer fell through. The creditors want their money, and they're not able to sustain enough to pay the creditors. So I think they are searching for somebody who's going to come in and take the reins. Um, my best guess is somebody will. I mean, it's a brewery that's been around for 27 years, and they've made some really good beers. Um, but I also think that they've made some mistakes along the way, especially when it comes to IPAs. And you might not want to brew IPAs all the time, but it is something that's going to keep your business sustained. And when you le- over-leverage debt, when you have that, uh, that kind of debt load, uh, it's difficult to recover from. Um, and that's just, again, my best guess. I don't have any inner workings of how Weyerbacher works. I hope that they survive. But I get the sense um, that they may not. And this is a trend that we're seeing now. And we've talked about it for a couple of years. We thought the pandemic was going to accelerate these closures, but it did not uh, originally. But now it seems like as we're coming out of the pandemic, it seems like those closures are starting to happen at a much more rapid pace. Now, when we come back after a short break, we're going to have more news and notes from around the beer world. It's an all-news edition of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast. Um, again, we'll get into more of my challenge for Governor Murphy. would like to meet up with him for a beer, it's not so much a challenge, a sit down, a discussion. We want to have a discussion about New Jersey craft beer, which is important. Uh, we got a lot of other stuff to get to, including later on uh, this new short tea that Cape May Brewing has put out in conjunction with Wawa. But apparently, somebody else says, uh uh uh, I had the idea for the for short tea and the name short tea before Cape May did. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, but short break, we'll be back right after this on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
Welcome back to the Yoga Two Low Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer, you know, I got a chance to see Docking a couple of years ago. This is the uh, the Hunter. It's you have to do these things now, pre pandemic, post pandemic. Um, but even still, um, they were not that good. I mean, listen, it was cheap tickets. I think I I think I paid twenty five dollars for the two tickets, and it was just it was not a good show. They had five opening bands. Uh, by the time they came on. Uh, I, I felt like I was 90. I needed to go to bed. It was like, oh, my God, it's 11 o'clock, and, the, and they're not on yet? <laughs> I don't know. But if I had – you know what? I think I, I could – if I had spent hundreds of dollars, I think I would have been more disappointed. So the fact that I only spent 25 bucks um, is not exactly terrible. It was, a, it was a memorable night, let's put it that way, with some of the characters um, that were there. Listen, we've got a great show for you tonight. No guests this week. Uh, we're going to keep it news-centric because – there is a lot of news to get to. Let's dive right in, or back in, as it were. And in our next segment, we're going to discuss a couple of different things. Uh, how CO2 is affecting a beer production. Um, and if you didn't know, carbon dioxide is a major component of, of beer. And uh, we're also going to discuss this whole controversy between Cape May Brewing uh, and the former owner of Asbury Park Brewing. Uh, it seems to be a battle that may be played out in the courts. Then again, it may not. Barstool Sports and Labatt USA have announced a new partnership project. Uh, this is last week they announced it. Big Deal Brewing, it's pr- going to be produced by Labatt. Big Deal Brewing debuted its first offering, a 4.5% super premium golden ale called Big Deal Brewing Original Golden Ale. Uh, this was at the Labatt Brew House in Buffalo, New York on July 21st. It's created in collaboration with Barstool's uh, Spittin' uh, Chicklets Hockey Podcast, the beer brand officially launched or, or will officially launch in stores in September. It will be available in select cities in the United States and Canada this fall, according to the press release. Labatt and Barstool have partnered on various marketing projects since 2019, mainly through the Spit and Chicklets franchise, which includes former uh, NMH hockey players Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonette. Uh, this is not the first Bev Alk release from the franchise in 2019. Barstool and Spit and Chicklets launched Pink Whitney Vodka in partnership with Ian J. Gallo's New Amsterdam Vodka, a beer category offering, was a natural next step for the guys, as Barstool says in the press release. Uh, Booten Brewfest is back. Booten Mainstream Inc. looking forward to welcoming everyone back to Canal Side Park for a fun-filled day of music, games, and, of course, beer. They're expecting over 30 local breweries, all from the greater New Jersey area. In addition to amazing craft New Jersey beer, you can expect live music from two different bands, a DJ keeping the vibes going close to beer sampling tents, Various adult games including Cornhole, Giant Jenga, Bucket Pong, 10 to 15 local food vendors representing a variety of cuisines with food for purchase. One wine sampling tent, uh, local craft vendors and merchandise will be available. All tickets outside of the designated driver ticket will include a custom memento glass to be used for sampling. VIP tickets get you into the event one hour early uh, for first dibs on tasting. An optimal seating setup will include a free t-shirt to boot. Bring a pop-up chair. Uh, that is encouraged, blankets, etc. Rain date uh, will be reserved for the following Saturday, September 17th. So this is September 10th, it looks like. Um, and the rain date is Saturday, September 17th. Barring more extreme re- weather, however, it will be rain or shine. You can head to the Booten Brewfest Facebook page uh, for tickets on that. Now, more than two years after announcing her retirement, craft brewing pioneer Carol Stout's eponymous German-inspired brand will be returning to Pennsylvania draft lines in time for Oktoberfest season. This is through a licensing partnership with Philadelphia-based Evil Genius Beer Company. 
Um, it is important to continue the legacy of equality and pursuit of innovation, Stout said in a press release. When we closed the brew house in 2020, we had no intention of retiring the brand. We just needed the right situation to bring Stouts back to the forefront of the market. Now, she had announced her retirement in February of 2020, just before the pandemic really got going. They had planned to continue brewing on a two-barrel brew house at Stouts Black Angus, the Adamstown-based restaurant her family owned. However, she and her husband, Ed, closed the restaurant in April of last year. They sold the property. Evil Genius will manage the production. The Stouts team will be involved in sales, marketing, and recipe development. A spokesman uh, told Brewbound, Stouts Oktoberfest will be the first beer launched by Partnership. It has hit retail already as of this week through Stouts' prior distribution network. Uh, this will be uh, Muller Inc. in the Philadelphia area, LT Verastro Inc. in northeastern Pennsylvania, Ace Distributing in the York and Harrisburg regions, and Origilo uh, Beverage in the Lehigh Valley. The beer will be available in six and a half barrels for festivals. Stout's Gold will be brewed next, and even more offerings will become available next year. So it sounds to me like this is sort of a gypsy brewing operation. The name will continue. The beer will continue, including the recipes. But another brewery, in this case Evil Genius, will be producing the beer. But Stout's themselves, the family, uh, will be responsible for actually distributing the beer um, you know, out um, through, I, I'm, my guess is, um, through Evil Geniuses, uh, their own network, and, of course, through uh, the Evil Genius Company. So this is kind of cool. It would be uh, interesting to see uh, how that all pans out. Again, this is just a Pennsylvania-only uh, release. Uh, one of the East Coast's most anticipated beer festivals is returning to Washington, D.C. on October 8th. Tickets to this must-event now on sale at SnallygasterDC.com. That's Snallygaster, S-N-A-L-L-Y-G-A-S-T-E-R-D-C.com. It's named after a mythical dragon-like beast rumored to have once inhabited the Mid-Atlantic's backwoods around the turn of the century. Snallygaster is the monster of a festival. It's all about showcasing the unique and less common beers, not normally offered at even the more upscale beer festivals. It's in its 10th year now, presented annually by the Neighborhood Restaurant Group, an award-winning collection of independent and idiosyncratic businesses devoted to the culinary arts in Washington, D.C., that under the tutelage of beer director and partner Greg Engert has become a force in the craft beer biz. At this year's event, it'll feature unlimited pours of 350 brews from 175-plus of the most acclaimed American and international brewers. Again, you can get your tickets, snallygasterdc.com. I would love to go to this event. Unfortunately, um, it is the same weekend as my cousin getting married. So, unfortunately, I can't make the trip down to D.C., but it sounds like a really, really fun event. And then, finally, before we take a break, uh, the big buzz, of course, in August, or one of the big buzzes, is Goose Island. Yeah, that's right, Goose Island Beer. Announcing this year's Bourbon County lineup. Uh, now, of course, a lot of people are sour on on uh, Goose Island because, of course, they sold out to um, AB InBev years ago. But people still get jacked up for the release. And I'll be honest with you, um, you know, Bourbon County Barrel Stout is a, still a fantastic beer. It is still done with all of the the care and the precision that these brewers uh, go through. So, according to the um, Chicago-based uh, brewery, renowned for Champion Americans' first. America's first barrel-aged stout. They're releasing six different variations of the barrel-aged brand this year, along with its classic, all aggressively high-octane ABVs that linger somewhere around 15%. And this is the 30th anniversary of the release. So this is a, uh, this is a big deal. So there's seven stout variations. So we'll go through them all. 
Um, they have different, you know, labels, but I'm going to go through what, you know, obviously the traditional Bourbon County Stout. Uh, this is a, a blend of freshly emptied bourbon barrels from Heaven's Hill, Four Roses Wild Turkey, and Buffalo Trace Distilleries. Uh, they're saying expect flavors of vanilla, dark chocolate, toffee, molasses, almond, and dried fruit. Then they are doing, of course, a Bourbon County Coffee Stout. Um, this was the, for the first time since 2017. They brought back a coffee variant this year in partnership with their friends and Intelligista Coffee. Um, so that's really cool. So the coffee stout is back since 2017, so five years. That's pretty good. Uh, then you've got a biscotti stout. So that sounds really good. Uh, inspired by the Italian desserts of her childhood, Jill Cerrone, people manager at Goose Island, dreamed up this variant. After grabbing a box of chocolate-dipped biscotti from her cabinet, working with the brew team, Jill brought the flavor to life with notes of anise, marzipan, cocoa, and buttered toffee. That's one I want to try and locate and, and taste. Um... The next one is um, they have figured out ways, uh, the, the folks at Goose Island, to incorporate figs in Bourbon County Stout. So th- this is called uh, Sir Isaac's Stout. The brewers use Black Mission figs, 10,000 pounds of them, to create this variant. And then they have uh, one that is available only in Chicago. It's the Bourbon County Proprietor Stout. Uh, it is inspired by a love of cocktails and the vibrant hospitality industry in Chicago. It is a brewer's take on a jungle bird cocktail that combines banana, coconut, lime, and a new ingredient for the Bourbon County Stout family, pineapple. I wonder how that one's going to go over. Uh, and then there is the a two-year barley wine reserve. Uh, this is the first time since 2018 this is coming back. It's an English-style barley wine. It is uh, uh, a bunch of different uh, old, uh, let's see, the intricacies from that of old Fitzgerald's Bottled in Bond series. Velvety taste of rich malt entwined with notes of toffee, cherry, Vanilla, fig, and almond, uh, aged in 14, 16, and 17-year-old barrels of an amazing bourbon pedigree. Uh, and then finally, the 30th Anniversary Reserve Stout, going back to the inception of Bourbon County Stout, the 30th Anniversary Stout, aged from a blend of Jim Beam barrels from their small batch bourbon collection barrels. 30th Anniversary Stout, a celebration of all the people that have enjoyed, worked on, and been a part of the Bourbon County Stout brand over the years. Expect notes of dark chocolate, vanilla, cherry, and almond. So, of course... All but one you can get nationwide. You'll have to ask your um, your particular uh, bottle shop or liquor store if they are getting them in, aside from just the regular. Now, when we come back after a short break, more news, including why Night Shift Brewing has to close some of its operations, which will mean layoffs for some, and this whole controversy between Cape May Brewing, Asbury Park, Wawa, and a beer called Shore Tea. That's next on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast. On AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Albatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, Joe Bonamassa. Cannot wait to see him in uh, just about a week and a half at Jones Beach with Kenny Wayne Shepherd and Jason Bonham. That is going to be a fantastic show. Look, we've got 
tons of news to get into and some opinion stuff as well. Uh, so let's dive right into it. We've got no guests on the program tonight. Suds and Duds is coming up next. But first, let's dive into a, a, a serious issue that is affecting brewers right now. As everyone knows, oxygen is beer's enemy. It causes beer to deteriorate. Carbon dioxide is its protector. Brewers rely on CO2 to keep oxidation from ruining their beer. But because of the pandemic, this important gas now experiencing nationwide supply chain issues. Boulder, Colorado-based craft beer trade organization, Brewers Association, told the news organization that it's receiving reports about the CO2 crisis from producers across the country. Persistent uh, delivery truck driver shortages are also complicating the issue. The association said, noting... That summer is peak demand season for CO2, so supply disruptions have a greater potential to turn into shortages during the summer. The Massachusetts Brewers Guild Executive Director Katie Stinchin said that the scarcity of it hadn't really touched the state of Massachusetts until now. So um, she represents over 200 breweries in Massachusetts. She's received a flood of panicky calls and emails from other breweries. They're receiving notices from their suppliers. They either they don't have enough products to fulfill their contract, or they can fulfill their order this time, but future orders might be in jeopardy. A major natural source of food-grade CO2 in the Jackson Dome area of Mississippi has been facing contamination issues, so it's created a ripple effect to their breweries in Massachusetts. Now, just last week, Night Shift Brewing was forced to stop brewing at its Everett, Massachusetts-based headquarters due to their inability to secure carbon dioxide. Uh, Co-founder Michael Oxton said Uh, He sent his team scrambling. CO2, of course, allows brewers to move beer between tanks to kegs and canning lines. They also inject it into the liquid to create carbonation for shelf stability and frothy heads. Now, last Wednesday, Oxton worried Night Shift's remaining supply would run out in the middle of a canning run. Uh, It compounded other challenges at the brewery. He said, namely, its facility cannot sustain large-scale beer manufacturing. We've known this for many years and have tried to solve the problem, investing in millions in equipment, adjusting schedules and operations to make it more efficient. Now, they were planning on building in Philadelphia. They had to scrap that after the pandemic hit. The CO2 shortage, something of a last straw for night shift on last Tuesday, the brewery announced it is moving production from its Everett facility to contract brewing at Jack's Abbey in Framingham and Isle Brewers Guild in Rhode Island. Now, they don't expect their beer output to be distributed, How and their tap rooms and beer gardens will continue to operate. The problem is they're going to be cutting jobs now, about 50 to 75% of its 12-person production staff. Everyone is going to get a paycheck, Oxton said, through October 1st. There's security for the next two months. And he said, I feel for every single person that could be impacted. He's going to try and find these other, jo- other jobs for these laid-off workers within the company or place them in other breweries. But this is a big problem. If they can't find CO2 and they sell around 40,000 barrels of beer annually, Night Shift does, um, that's a problem. Now, in recent years, about 50% of their beer has been brewed at other companies, including Jack's Abbey, where Sam Handler is a co-founder and CEO. He said earlier this summer his CO2 supplier wasn't sure it could fulfill its contracts, but this week Handler received word the supplier would be able to meet the order. This is a major problem with CO2, and I think we're going to see this as a trickle-down effect with other breweries. Hey, listen, if you can't secure carbon dioxide, you're going to have a problem, at, you know, long-term. Short-term, it's becoming a problem, could become a problem long-term. Um, also, the brewery industry has also been experiencing a can shortage for more than two years. Prices are high for supplies, including cardboard and graphics wrappers, uh, uh, according to Handler, and it's just across the board it feels like you're getting punched in the gut every week. I am sure that if I talk to 10 brewers, eight of them are going to tell me the same exact thing. That's not good. Uh, our good friends from our mutual friend brewing company 
are releasing a variety of beers this month, including a 12-ounce option for Lava Loop, which is an imperial Mexican chocolate stout, and a refreshing spritz beer collaboration with American Solera Brewery. So Lava Loop uh, has already come out as of yesterday, August 6th. It's a 10% ABV imperial Mexican chocolate stout brewed with Ecuadorian cacao nibs, the beer available on draft and in 12-ounce cans. Uh, OMF head brewer Jan Chodowski says it's a complex but balanced beer, rich dark dark chocolate and vanilla notes, flavors of cinnamon and roasted chiles. And again, it's a 12-ounce format. He says you can pair it up with horchata ice cream. I haven't gotten that one, but I did get a couple of others, which I really appreciate, Jan, for putting these in the mail a week ago. Uh, Would love to get a, a, a hand on a can of that lava loop. It sounds delicious. But what I did get, which is available uh, this coming Saturday, August 13th, Grid Collapse. A Zezan collaborated with Stone Cloud Brewing Company out of Oklahoma City. Dry hop with Bravo and Strata. It's a 6% ABV can condition beer. Fruity, floral notes of strawberry and sage. It's available on draft and in four packs of 16-ounce cans. Uh, and yes, Jan, I will abide by your instructions on that beer. So it'll be a couple weeks before I open that one up. Available Saturday, August 20th, Jan and James Field Spritz. It's a beer and wine hybrid collaboration with American Solera Brewery out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's a 4.9% ABV beer wine hybrid blend with rosé of Merlot and raspberry to produce tropical fruit aromas and a light dry finish available on draft and in 750 milliliter bottles. And then finally, Existential State, a collaboration with Rare Form Brewery out of New York. It's a 4.7% extra special bitter, uh, four packs of 16-ounce cans and draft as well. They've got amazing collaborations coming out, says Jan. We hope you enjoy them. Jan, thank you. Uh, They sent me some, uh, let's see, what is this over here? We got Neon Nail, a juicy India pale ale. And uh, as I go off mic for a second there, Time Zero, West Coast IPA. This sounds really good as well. Jen, thanks so much for those beers. Very much appreciated. Our friends from Ross Brewing dropping this week and next at all the best beer locations in New Jersey and New York. Victories Abound. It's an 8.2% Blood Orange Vanilla Double Dry Hop Milkshake IPA. Blood Orange Puree along with vanilla and milk sugar along with Citra and Vic Secret Hops. Uh, creating a most delicious milkshake IPA. Uh, that is out already from Ross Brewing. Now, Cape May Shore Tea. Um, this has become an issue in the state of New Jersey. Cape May Brewing put together this beer, uh, this uh, malt liquor, excuse me, not a beer, uh, with uh, Wawa in conjunction with Wawa. They started selling them all over Philly, South Jersey. It's been in a couple of other places, uh, but a very hard to find uh, beverage. Now, if you read the original report, and this is. Um, this is from our, our our friends at, um, I want to make sure I get this right, Breweries in PA. They're the ones who put the story out originally. Um, the brewery was accused by Jeff Plate, former owner of Asbury Park Brewing, of having taken his idea for the short tea concept. Um, Mr. Plate alleges that he approached Cape May in May of 2022 with the idea of the product, even going as far as filing a trademark for the name. Now, his can and their can completely different. Some There are some similarities but very much different. So um, he claims that uh, he met with them, he gave them a lot of proprietary stuff, um, and uh, they eventually came back and said, um, you know, they weren't going to go in that direction. They're going somewhere else. You you can see in the in the uh, patents, uh, U.S. Uh, Patent and Trademark Office, he, it does verify a live trademark filed by plate for the short T name for use under alcoholic malt beverages except beers, on May 17th, 2022, it says it was live. 
Um, he said he he uh, uh, design you know branding and trademark and all this other stuff. Cape May Brewing then issued a statement a little while after that saying any claims that the Peach Shore Tea product name, branding, or packaging were developed in imitation of anything from any third party are groundless. Cape May's Peach Shore Tea collaboration with Wawa was a special release for the summer. Like all Cape May products, the recipe and look of Peach Shore Tea have been in development for more than six months, with the name and branding selected well in advance of their release to the public, in this case finalized in March of 2022. Now, uh, this seems to be that this is going to play out in court a little bit. I think that um, Plate has somewhat of an argument. I think Cape May has a legitimate argument as well. Um, for those that people that think that you know you can create a beer, a can label, um, trademark, and all of this other stuff and have it whipped up in two months is very, very difficult. Bureaucracy runs very slow, folks. This takes a long time. So you got a lot of times you have to have to have, have, to have this stuff in the hopper months ahead of time. Um, do I believe that Mr. Plate put together a beer a few years ago or a malt beverage that is similar? Yes. Do I think that Cape May ripped off his product? I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Again, it has to be proven in court. And you have to prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's some doubt as to whether or not the uh, name that Mr. Plate had put together was actually active or it was not being used anymore. Um, it could be that Kate May filed appropriately and on time. We will have to see how this plays out. Both sides are, you know, sticking to their guns here. So I really don't know what's going to happen here. And, of course, as we get more information, uh, we will let you know. Now, I was going to go into all this stuff about New Jersey and the ABC and all this stuff. We don't have time for that here. I'm going to talk about that in our next segment, usually reserved for suds and duds. Uh, but it'll be a very truncated suds and duds here. In fact, I'm going to do a review of the pizza party uh, for Suds and Duds, and then we're going to get into all of this Jersey stuff. Coming up next on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Segment of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, it's usually Suds and Duds. Uh, but on this week's program, it's going to be a very truncated edition of Suds and Duds because we've got some more Jersey stuff to get into. I want to give a quick recap of last weekend on Staten Island, a pizza party uh, that Killsboro Brewing, Sean Torres, put on. It was fantastic. The first year was great. Um, this year, I felt like it was so much better. First off, the weather was perfect. It was not humid. It was warm enough. It was nice. Got some nice shade. My buddy Rob and I, we, uh, we ended up going. And um, the pizza was awesome. The music was great. It was a good mix. They, you know, Bee Gees, disco, a little bit of rock and roll. It was just, it was a lot of fun. It was a perfect day uh, at Snug Harbor for a great cause. The breweries, though, were phenomenal. You had Bolero. You had Icarus. You had, um, you had Wild East. You had uh, Bricks was there. Brick City was there. Um, Endless uh, from uh, from Brooklyn. You had Five Burrows was there. You had a couple of home brewers were there. Flagship Brewing was there. Um, it was just 
a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, great beers. Um, was it Kegan? No, who else was there? Strong Rope, I think, was there. I don't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, a lot of great breweries that were there, a lot of great beers, a lot of light uh, offerings, Pilsners, Lagers. Some IPAs were there as well, but uh, really, really delicious beers. Killsborough had a great lineup of stuff uh, as well, and the pizza was fantastic. Folks, I encourage you, go to this event next summer. It's a great summer day, plenty of shade, bring lawn chairs. There was games there, music. You got this wonderful pizza from Staten Island and fantastic beers to enjoy the the whole day long. Plus, if you you want to bring the kids, bring the kids. They can eat pizza. They don't have to drink the beer. There were water stations there. People had plenty of water. I kept refilling my water jug, so I was hydrating while I was drinking. It was wonderful. Sean, you put on a fantastic event. I am happy to go to this thing every year. I'm happy to, to, to be there and be a part of it. It is wonderful. I tell you, it is an excellent time, and Snug Harbor on Staten Island is gorgeous. It is such a beautiful place to walk around. The grounds are immaculate. The flowers, everything. It's perfect. And you, would, you, would, you wouldn't even believe that you're on Staten Island or in New York City. You feel like you're in another place. It's just wonderful. All right. Now, let us get into all this Jersey stuff. So uh, the ABC is still continuing to uh, enforce these restrictions on brewers. Governor Murphy has yet to say a word uh, about it. He has yet to issue an executive order to say this, is ha- this has to stop. Uh, nothing has happened, right? There's no movement. Governor Murphy is silent. The other day, he signed a bill extending outdoor dining for another two years, which also helps the breweries. They can put you know, tables outside, et cetera, et cetera, based on their municipality. They can do all those things. But he has yet to respond to the NJABC, okay? I have challenged the governor to meet me for a beer anywhere in the Garden State. Governor, if you're listening, very simple. You meet me, and you pick the brewery. Anywhere up and down in the state of New Jersey. You want me to come all the way down to Cape May? I'll come to Cape May. You want me to go up as far north, uh, right by the border of, uh, of New Jersey to meet up there? We can meet at Gear Block Brewing, wherever. I don't care. Pick a spot. I will come and meet you. We will, I, will, I will buy the first round of beer. Okay? First round of beer is on me. We'll have a beer. We can have a flight. I don't care. Whatever you want. All right? We can sit down and have an honest and frank discussion about how these, these rules are hurting craft breweries around New Jersey. Not This is not a, a shouting match, screaming back and forth, a, 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 a civil discussion about what is going on. Because the governor right now has the power to stop this. He stopped it once before he could stop it again, temporarily, till the legislature gets back and enacts some, some laws and passes some legislation that wipes out a lot of this stuff from the ABC. All right? Because in my opinion, this is adversely affecting the craft breweries and it's benefiting the restaurants and it's wrong and the governor knows that it's wrong but his silence is deafening at this point and everybody that's out there the, the folks from uh, new jersey craft beer uh south jersey beer scene the brewers guild of new jersey uh you know a lot of people out there and i'm not going to name name any more names but a lot of people have been pushing on the governor and he has yet to respond and it's wrong now assemblyman robert auth sent me this um, there is uh, an assemblywoman, Beth Sawyer, uh, who is, um, she's a Republican out of Gloucester County. She is proposing a bill that would, re- you know, restrict these re- uh, uh, these regulations. Uh, again, there are a number of people, uh, Senator Testa, uh, Senator Gopal, who congratulations on the birth of, uh, 
the senator's uh, new daughter, new addition to his family. Congratulations on that. They're crafting legislation. The Assemblywoman is crafting legislation. I don't know if this legislation from Assemblywoman Sawyer will come out uh, and be successful, but let's see what happens here. So her bill, uh, A3766, would allow limited brewery license holders to host an unlimited number of on-site events and up to 18 off-premise events each year. Right now, they can only hold 12. This would up it uh, 6 to 18. But it would make unlimited the amount of brewery uh, events that they could have on their site. Right now, uh, the ABC's rules limit those license holders to 25 nebulously defined special events and 52 private events on site and 12 off-site events. Sawyer also wants to eliminate the brewery tour patrons must endure before purchasing drinks, whether for on- or off-site consumption. She says, I respect the mission of the ABC, but how does this special ruling protect the general public and stabilize the craft brewer industry? Frankly, industry leaders see these rules as decimating their businesses at a time when small business owners in all industries are trying to recover in this post-governmental government lockdown economy. She's absolutely right about that. Now, whether or not that passes uh, remains to be seen. So again, unlimited number of on-site events, up to 18 off-premise events each year. We'll see what happens. I, I don't think there should be any restrictions on the off-premise events, but I do like the fact that they can hold an unlimited number of on-site events. That's good. So maybe there's some tweaking there. Now, to further stimulate economic growth, a second Sawyer bill, this is A3765, would create a winery-brewery sub-license. Wineries and farm breweries would be permitted to produce malt liquor beverages for retail sale to consumers for consumptions off-site. She says billions of dollars and thousands of jobs are on the line. The ABC rules create losers. My legislation creates winners. That's something we can all raise a glass to. I don't know if a winery-brewery sub-license is going to fly in the legislature. Um, and I wonder if brewers want that. Um, it, it To me, and I haven't seen the whole bill, so I don't know, you know what, what's involved here. Um, I don't know if that second bill is going to pass mustard. The first one could. Um, the first one has a chance. The second one, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one because breweries don't want to be wineries. And now you're saying wineries and farm breweries. Okay, well, their source is a farm brewery. Um, you have, what, I think there's three farm breweries in the state. That's it. So, and I think there are one or two more that are coming. That's not helping everybody. Um, that's a problem. So we'll see what happens. What I can encourage you, if you live in the state of New Jersey, continue to write your legislators. Continue to write the governor. Heck, write the, write the commissioner of the New Jersey Alcohol Beverage Control. It's an appointed position. Get, give him the business. Now, be nice about it. Be respectful. But be firm about it. Um, we have to keep the pressure up here. Uh, because what happen, what ultimately happens in a lot of these things is that you get people who get involved very early, uh, they push, and then after a couple of weeks it kind of fades away. That's not what we want here. We have to keep up the pressure. The fact that the governor has not responded anywhere, and I am tweeting him every single day, okay, um, and nothing. There's no response. There's nothing from him. His silence speaks volumes he could end this today today all he has to do is sign an executive order we're putting a moratorium for 60 days we'll let the legislature do their work let's see them pass a bill when they come back in session in september if they get a bill and they get it on my desk i will sign it 
You can suspend it today till October 1st. If the legislature doesn't get their act together in September and get a bill passed, they all, they're all talking, we're going to get something fast track, we're going to get something fast track. Okay, we're going to give you this time, right? Even, let's say, October 15th, all right? Now you're talking about six, almost 70-something days, right? Get it done, get a bill on the governor's desk, sign it, it's over with. The governor has the ability to stop this right now. And he has been silent on it the entire time. And it's wrong. And I'm going to take time every week to talk about this until something happens. And again, Governor, you're listening? Meet me for a beer. Pick any place. You were in East Rutherford the other day to sign this thing about outdoor dining. We could have went right down the street to Bolero Snort. They're in Carlstadt, Stone's Throw Away. Could have went over to Brick City if you wanted to. I would have met you for a beer. We could have had a nice discussion. It would have been great tour the facility. We'll take the tour. We'll sign in. We'll put our name to paper. That's the other thing. T- having to keep uh, you know, um, a-, a person's name and-, and all this other stuff, why are we infringing on the public right? This is that's fr- freedom. I- I- I'm sorry, but I shouldn't have to give over my name and information. For what? To drink a beer? Not right. Folks, we're out of time here. My thanks to everybody involved on the program. Uh, and, of course, uh, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. I am back next week on the Joe P- uh, Actually, I'm back tomorrow on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. Next week, we're going to have uh, a great interview. Uh, we've got the, uh, the, new, uh, the new CEO of Founders is going to join us on the program and a lot more to get to. This has been the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>